us your first thoughts on Scripture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of First Thoughts uh, with me. I'm Damon Jensen-Heitman, and also... Greg Allen Pickett. And we are pastors at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. And this is First Thoughts. Here's what First Thoughts is. We're going to take a little look at the scripture that we are going to use for the upcoming Sunday, and it's going to vary from the narrative lectionary this time around. And also vary from the revised common lectionary. Yeah, we're doing our own. We're, you know, we're real rebels. It's, if anybody was ever going to describe First Presbyterian Church of Hastings, Nebraska, <laughs> say rebellious. Uh. That's what they'd say. So we'll have a little miniature Bible study. We will ask questions of the text or texts, uh, and we'll hopefully allow the text to ask questions of us as well. And we start with a word of prayer. Is it you go or I go? I think you start. Okay, let's dive in with a word of prayer. Loving and gracious God, we thank you for the season of Advent. We thank you for the reminders that you send to us to prepare um, to, to level the mountains and raise the valleys and prepare a way for you to enter into our hearts in perhaps new ways, in fresh ways. Thank you for this, this time that we get to intentionally spend thinking about what it means to get ready for your arrival. Uh, I ask that you might bless this time that we spend studying your word and that our eyes and our hearts might be opened to what you have for us this day. In your gracious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine readings to get through. Are you ready? Let's do it. We got ten minutes and <laughs> to do it. Go. Uh, no, but we what we are doing are previewing the scriptures from the Choral Cantata, which will be presented uh, on December 10th at First Presbyterian Church of Hastings, uh, which is a little bit of a different cantata. And I'm reflecting on this because I went and saw Handel's Messiah yesterday. Not the entirety of it, uh, it. but significant portions of it. Mm -hmm. And the portions leading up to Christ's birth are all very heavy on Old Testament prophecies that predict the coming of a Messiah, which we as Christians have read back uh, the birth of Jesus Christ into that. And so as I listened to the Handel's Messiah and listened to each of the pieces, each one of them was like the highlight of one of the Old Testament prophecies that predicted the coming of a Messiah. Yeah. The cantata that we're doing is different than that, and I'm excited sure. about it. Um, but it bears a similarity as well. Yeah. And so, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Because you're a little more intimately involved with it than, than sure, I am. I can. So this is, uh, it's called Bearers of the Divine. It's a piece, music and lyrics by Hannah Jensen Heitman. And I have assisted in, in writing the liturgy for it and uh, consulting, let's say, occasionally on it. And the idea is... An angel shows up, and we'll read this passage in a little bit. An angel shows up to Mary and says, uh, you are not now, but you will be pregnant soon. And this child is going to, is going to be great. 
this child is going to be, they're going to call him the son of the Most High, uh, going to inherit the throne of David, and uh, it's going to be great. And Mary is essentially being told, you are being asked to bear the divine, right? And, and so the idea is I should have brought uh, the little note that Hannah wrote for the start of it, because I would provide a more succinct explanation perhaps in this. But the idea is Mary was young. Uh, she's engaged but not married to Joseph in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, she's described as being a virgin, at least in this translation of the Gospel of Luke. And, and she herself, uh, the Gospel of Luke says, is, was perplexed by the greeting mm-hmm. of Gabriel. Uh, at one point asks, how can this be? Mm-hmm. And, so the, and then the idea is, where would Mary have turned for support, for encouragement, for strength, for some sort of inspiration or insight as to what it might mean to do this. And we presume that Mary would know the stories of her ancestors, Mm -hmm. um, the folks that God had showed up to earlier and said, you are going to bear the divine in some way or asked to bear the divine in some way, shape, or form. Um, and, and so, and Hannah picked out the stories of women um, who would have been Mary's ancestors. Mm-hmm. And, and each little story then tells us a little bit we think about what it might mean to bear the divine and, and what, what might have Mary been able to pull from these stories. In a, like, this is similar to how we read the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Like, we are feeling some sort of worry or a doubt or anxiety. And, and we remember the, the parable of the mustard seed, mm-hmm. right? And like, oh yeah, that's right. Or we remember that Peter uh, walked on water for a little bit, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Uh, or we remember that Jesus pulled Peter up out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gives us some sort of sense of assurance um, for our lives, if that Makes sense. Yeah. And so Mary would have been feeling a little bit of doubt, anxiety, and she would think back to the stories of her spiritual ancestors and find some sense of uh, grounding or hope or um, ideas or advice or something from how they responded to their opportunities to bear the divine. Right. Yeah. So it's, I hadn't really thought of it as being set up different differently than I think a lot of a lot of the way that we approach Advent mm-hmm. as we start in the Older Testament mm-hmm. and then sort of progress what we would say forward right right chronologically at through least. the prophecies right. mm-hmm. um, yeah and this I guess is, is really is starting with Mary starts with the Annunciation yeah and this question of what does it mean like what what does it mean to bear the divine in the world? Yeah. Which is, I think, what I, th- what I would say that we are to be doing during the season of Advent is preparing ourselves to be able to bear the divine in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That we ourselves, yeah, yeah. Bear are, the di- are asked to be bearers of the divine. Mm-hmm. We're not in the same way that Mary was. Certainly. But, right. um, 
So that's the idea. Yeah. So that's that's that kind of gives you a sketch of what this cantata uh, looks like and sort of the structure of it. Um, and so we're going to go ahead and uh, start by reading the Annunciation uh, and then uh, talk a little bit about the stories that that we're dreaming that Mary would have reflected back on in order to find some grounding or some inspiration or some hope or to help relieve her anxiety so that she realizes that she's she's not alone in this, that her spiritual four mother, mothers have, yeah. um, have been through different parts of this and that they themselves provide her some context or perspective mm-hmm. or something, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the whole thing starts with in the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke chapter 1. 26 through 34, mm-hmm. 34a, if I'm being completely truthful. Uh, and that reads something like this. In the sixth month, uh, the sixth month refers to Elizabeth's pregnancy, right. uh, which is uh, foretold, is foretold the right mm-hmm. word in the, at the start of chapter one. So this is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth is... Mary's relative. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be? That's where I chose to pause. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> That's where I chose to pause the reading. And I think when folks hear the music for this, um, one of the gifts that Hannah has as a writer and as a composer is being able to sort of imagine her way into the emotional state of someone else. Mm-hmm. Right? And so this is kind of the emotional state of Mary that we Mm -hmm. want to sit in, this question of... Perplexed, pondering, how can this be? That's kind of, those are the key phrases, right? Perplexed, pondering. And then we get to enter into her pondering. Yeah. um, As we imagine that she would have reflected back on her spiritual ancestors, right? Mm -hmm. And so then we tell the story of some of these spiritual ancestors. And the same thing enter into the emotional state of being that those spiritual ancestors were feeling at the time that they were asked to do something special by or for God. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yep. That's the idea. This is question. What does it mean to, to bear God into the world? Mm -hmm. Um, And where would I go for that? To find an answer, to start to find an answer to that. Right. So we start running through them and we run through these in kind of chronological order. Yes. Uh, starting in Genesis 18, and I hadn't planned on reading all of these. <laughs> no, but I, I can tell because here. you didn't actually print them <laughs> off for me, so we know that we're not going to read each one. It would be kind of a lot. Um, we start with Sarah. Um, 
Sarah and Abraham, they're very old. You know, you start you start thinking about it doesn't take too long when you're thinking about Mary and you can you can rattle off a list of other unexpected pregnancies pretty quickly or improbable pregnancies mm-hmm. pretty quickly yeah. in the scriptural witness. Sarah is one of those. Mm-hmm. Sarah and Abraham are very old. Uh, mess- God, messengers of God, some sort of divine being <laughs> shows up to Abraham at his tent uh, and says, uh, Abraham hosts them. They say, where's Sarah? He says, she's over there. <laughs> uh, she's close. She's within earshot. They say, okay, uh, we're going to return. And when we return, Sarah will be pregnant. And Sarah laughs at this idea. Mm-hmm. And, and they say, uh, Sarah, why did you laugh? Right. Um, and she's, I think she says, I don't even know that she says anything in response. She, at some point, she denies laughing. Right. Um, like why, they say, like, why did you laugh? Is anything impossible for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why did you laugh? I said, oh, no, I didn't laugh. And I said, oh, no, you did. <laughs> um, and then the song that goes with that is, um, it's a very sort of comforting, reassuring song from God to Sarah. Yes. Um, so sunshine, where's, where's your, your laughter, laughter coming from? from? Um, and nothing's impossible for you, mm-hmm. and, and on and on. Which we might imagine would give Mary a sense of, like, no, this, you can do this. It's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who've been following along with us, uh, we actually studied this particular scripture back in September. Mm-hmm. Um, and as part of the service, uh, Hannah sang the song, so we got a little preview of that and learned a little bit more about the story there. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a powerful story. Um, and I hadn't framed it around sort of the series of unexpected mm-hmm. pregnancies in the Bible. Uh, but obviously Elizabeth's pregnancy as well mm-hmm. matches up with that mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, we're going to hear about at least four of them yeah. in, the course, <laughs> in the course of this. It's one of the things that I also have enjoyed about this process is being able to slow down with each of these narratives mm-hmm. um, and and take a moment and pause and think okay, what like, what would this character have been feeling yeah you know experiencing in this which is just really helpful so we move on from Sarah to Exodus we get a couple of narratives that show up there right next to each other. In, mm-hmm. in the Bible, and we've, we split them up. Shifra and Pua are to begin with. Shifra and Pua, Israelites are in slavery in Egypt. Shifra and Pua are Hebrew midwives. They're Israelite midwives. A new pharaoh arises who does not remember Joseph and, and gets scared of the Israelites, worried that... Um, if somebody attacks us, these folks are going to join our enemies. And so he orders uh, all of the newborn male Israelite children, he orders Shifra and Pua to kill them. 
um, as a means, presumably, of attempting to control their population. Right. Shifra and Pua choose not to do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pharaoh famously asks them, why didn't you do what I asked you to do? Mm-hmm. And they lie. Well, those Hebrew women are so strong. <laughs> they have birth before we even get there as the midwives. Yeah, Sorry. They are, they are too vigorous. Um, <laughs> And uh, and they do so because uh, because they fear God. Uh, right. The story reads, mm-hmm. uh, and the and the story that the title of the song that goes with that is called "Listen," um, and it's about choosing to listen to God mm-hmm. instead of the voices of hate or fear or whatever else the case might be. Um, the connection that I make to Mary's really specifically liturgically is. Mary has been told that her son will be a king. Uh, and generally, the current king doesn't really like to hear that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this would be a challenge to Rome. Rome is the ruling entity of the day in Mary's time. Yep. And, um, and that same sort of sense of fear would have been prevalent uh, in Mary. And, yep. uh, and so choosing... To listen to God instead of, of the other voices. Something that Mary may have drawn from their story. Yeah. So. Anyway, you want me to just crank through these? Yeah, so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we move from that right after that. The next verse. <laughs> uh, we get introduced to Moses' mother. Um, and the, the Pharaoh is is enraged and he extends his orders from Shifra and Pua to, to murder all of the newborn males to everybody. All, all the males the, under the age of two or something. And he it? says, like, and all the Egyptians are now like if it's deputized. first just Shifra and Pua. Right. Now like, you're all deputized. Yeah, now it's everybody. Go if anybody the baby boys. comes across an yep. infant male Hebrew child, you're supposed mm-hmm. to throw it into the river. Moses is born. He's, uh, until he's three months old, then he's too big to hide. Um, Moses' mother puts him into a, a basket, puts it in the, in the river. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter comes across it and, and has the basket brought out of the river and eventually takes the child into her own house. Um, and it's a story about... Uh, Pulling things out of the water, pulling things out of the chaos, and and finding the strength of the resolve to do it, or being able to trust that God will see your child through this yeah. chaos of the world. And then Ruth and Naomi is next up in Ruth. Um, famine in the land. <laughs> it's so many of the, the backdrop to so many of these is some sort of disaster or some sort of desperation Mm -hmm. I suppose as well Ruth and Naomi get caught up um, in this they end up without husbands they end up being incredibly vulnerable and facing a, a perilous journey Ruth instructs Naomi and um Orpah to, to leave her, to return to their houses for safety, for lodging, uh, 
It would be her two daughters-in-law who both lost their husbands who were Ruth's sons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And Naomi refuses. Uh, Do not press me to leave you. Where you go, I will go. Uh, Where you die, I will die. Your people will become my people. Your God shall be my God. And which describes just a stupendous amount of commitment to someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, And that the love of God is often revealed when we dedicate our lives to someone else. Something outside ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Whatever that might look like. Then we get to Hannah and 1 Samuel. This is another one of the improbable pregnancies. Yep. Uh, Hannah is also very old, uh, has asked God for a child for years and years and years, and has not become pregnant. And um, then suddenly becomes pregnant. God hears her weeping, I believe, in the temple. Mm-hmm. And, and Hannah... I forget if she promised beforehand or in response to her pregnancy, pledges the child essentially to the service of God, pledges her mm-hmm. child to to work at the temple, and then follows through, which means that at a very young age, she hands her child over to be raised by the priests mm-hmm. at the temple, and then returns and visits him every year and brings a new set of robes. Mm-hmm. to him, which is just a lovely sort of a thing. Um, and one of the lessons that I find in this is the, the idea that um, blessings are to be shared, hmm. that, that this Eli is her son's name. Um, she experiences this wonderful blessing of being able to be pregnant and, and have a child. And she also recognizes that this that this is a blessing not just for her, but it's a blessing for everyone. Um, and so she does that, and there's, I think, pretty obvious connections to Mary's <laughs> story right. in that one as well. And then comes Esther, and maybe you can fill us in on Esther's story. I feel like I've been talking a lot. That's fair. Uh, so, yeah, the, there's a, a king, and... Um, he gets rid of his queen and holds a contest to get a new queen. And uh, Esther is the person selected to become his new queen. Um, the backstory that we don't know is that Esther is an Israelite. She's yes. Hebrew. And uh, the king doesn't know that either, but she's apparently very beautiful. And uh, so she becomes the new queen, but it's a very strict, structured, patriarchal society and the even the um, the royal the the whole palace intrigue is important. That Esther doesn't have access to the king except uh, if when called uh, upon. When called upon, mm-hmm. uh, and so the king's uh, general or henchman or whatever his second in charge is is named Haman, and decides that he's going to go ahead and uh, kill off all of the uh, the Hebrew people, all the Jewish people, and. Esther's uncle Mordecai catches wind of this, shares it with Esther and says, Esther, you've got to go plead for our lives. Tell the king that Haman can't do this. You're the only one that can do this. 
And Esther says, but if I call on the king without being called upon, he might kill me. And, and Mordecai says, well, maybe you were born for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. And so Esther musters up the courage and goes to the king, explains what's happening, acknowledges her ethnicity to the king, mm-hmm. and says, you can't let Haman kill my people. And the king is swayed by her. Yeah. And uh, so stops the killing of all of the Jewish people. And so, in turn, uh, Esther saves her people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How was that? I think that, that seems accurate to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. Yeah. I, yep, yeah, that's it. And so, the, the song we focus on for. I think more. No, uh, but maybe for such a time as this that you have. And so it's just that idea of when you hear the call from God, uh, being willing to respond to it mm-hmm. um, and, and to go with it. And the courage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, to me, it's a story of a, lo- a lot about courage. Mm-hmm. And Mary would have had to have a lot of courage to say yes to this angel telling her that she's going to be carrying a child, though she's not married and mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so yeah uh and then we get ourselves back to the gospel of luke and to elizabeth uh, elizabeth also very old <laughs> uh elizabeth in the gospel of luke um still she'll give birth to the child and that child will be john uh and he will he's going to prepare the way Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be. This becomes John the Baptist um, in the Gospel of Luke, and and we see Elizabeth as, and then Mary goes and visits Elizabeth, mm-hmm. um, and and Elizabeth Elizabeth child leaps for joy when she hears Mary's voice. Right. Um, and then, and, and Elizabeth, I think one of the things about Elizabeth and Mary is the, the importance of like, knowing that you're not alone, hmm. right? Yeah. I, you have these stories that, that remind you that other, other people have faced maybe similar things or, mm-hmm. or been asked to bear God in the world as well. And they have done it and, and surely you can do it. And that's, that's a wonderful and very nice thing. And then it gets raised to a whole new degree when, Oh, now I know, like I know I'm not going to meetings alone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, which is really, really a helpful sort of a thing. And then we get to Luke uh, 1, 41 through 55. And I'll just go ahead and read that eventually. And it reads like this. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of you greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, 
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and I, this, I added in, and Sarah, and to their descendants forever. <laughs> I added that part in. Like, it's interesting, like, when you put in like, all of these other stories in between, mm-hmm. I think you get a better sense of emotionally where Mary like started and where she ends in this chapter. I love that. I love that idea of that narrative. Uh, mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. How did, yeah. How did she get from um, perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting and asking the angel, how can this be to uh, what we call the Magnificat, this song yeah. that Mary sings about how blessed she is to be able to do this work and how significant the Christ child will be in the world. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting also because like, that song is not original to Mary, right? Most, Isn't it like based on Miriam? Is it mo- Miriam? Yeah, much of it is lifted from Miriam's song. That mm-hmm. is correct. Yep. Which is just another layer of this, like, how we sometimes look to, the, you know, look to the past to help us find our way. Yeah. Right. Even just like the little sayings that I know from my own mother, mm-hmm. that are like, <laughs> like that offer me like I didn't come up with those words. Mom did, but I repeat them as though they're mine, mm-hmm. um, and in some way, shape, or form, it gives me some sort of direction or or something. Yeah. But but yeah, that's the idea um, to be able to sort of. Sit in the the perplexity, I suppose, and and hopefully through these stories, be able to move towards that sort of sense of assurance. Yeah, and that, yeah. And so we hope that you'll be able to join us uh, on Sunday, December tenth, for uh, the presentation of this cantata that does tell the story that we just shared with you, um, probably more beautifully than we just shared it with you. Uh, I don't think there's a probably about that, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, so that's that's what's happening uh, on Sunday, December 10th at First Presbyterian Church of Hastings, and that's what we're studying uh, this week. And that's so, all that we have to say about that. So uh, let me close this time of Bible study with a prayer, and then we'll launch into some uh, announcements about what's happening in the life of the church. That's an even better idea than what I just did. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's pray. Gracious God, we are so grateful for the treasure trove of stories that you have given us through your holy word. We are grateful that we can find inspiration and hope and solidarity and joy and love. Uh, We can find things that will help calm our anxiety, find things that will remind us that we are not alone, that others have tread these same paths that we are on. We thank you for the gift of all of that. And we thank you that 
We thank you for the creative interpretation of Hannah uh, and thinking through how Mary might have interpreted all that and how it would have gotten her to the point where she could boldly sing out the Magnificat, echoing the words of Miriam and reflecting on the words of her spiritual ancestors that have gotten her to the point where she feels like she can take on this role of bearing the divine into the world. Bless and guide our continued study of this scripture. Bless and guide us in the season of Advent and bless and guide our church's worship on Sunday that it is uh, faithful, that it glorifies you, O God, and helps us connect more deeply with the story of the birth of your Son and what that means for each of us in our own faith journey. In Jesus' holy and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to go ahead and uh, talk about what's happening in the life of the church, right? If you say so. Okay. <laughs> So we've got uh, our worship service, uh, we've got our 8.30 contemplative service and our 10.30 traditional service. We've already told you that we're doing the uh, cantata on December 10th, uh, and then we'll have, uh, we're still doing that. Sunday school is at 9.15. Is Hannah teaching one more class of the Sunday school? No, she is not, uh, okay. because she needs to be in the sanctuary getting things ready at that time. Okay. So so we won't have forum on this Sunday. No adult ed forum, but there is adult ed uh, air as a parent, and all of our Sunday school for children and youth will be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, we're continuing with our Wednesday night programming. Get here at 5 o'clock for a family-style meal. Not just for kids. If you want to come, you can sit and eat with your kids or sit and eat with other people's kids. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it's not great. even just for people with kids. Yeah. yeah, Damon eats there every week, even though he doesn't have any kids in the Wednesday Night Live program. I uh, don't. There he is. So, I'm there. I'm eating the whatever it is. You know, It's good stuff, too. Yeah, so join us. That's Wednesday night. We're doing that for three more weeks before we break for Christmas. Two more weeks before we two break more. for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so we hope you'll join us for that. Uh, and then uh, thinking, looking ahead to our Christmas Eve services, uh, Christmas Eve this year falls on a Sunday, so we'll have a 10.30 traditional worship service, uh, which will be Advent 4, not a Christmas Eve service. Correct. And then we will have our Christmas Eve services, uh, 2 o'clock in the lobby of College View, 5.30 a family-oriented uh, service in our sanctuary, 7.30 a traditional service in our sanctuary, and 11 o'clock a contemplative sort of uh, Vespers-style service in our sanctuary. So we hope you can join us for that. Anything else we should tell about right now? No, I don't really think so. All right. Yeah. Well, then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.